This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. How you doing? Hey, good to see you. Hey, um, you will have to excuse me this morning, just a couple of things. I'm not trying to be technologically advanced by using a laptop. We had a printer malfunction, so pre- like paper is my preference, but here we go on this. So I'm going to figure out how to drive this thing. Um, so um, I'm not, you know, like watching myself while we stream at home or anything like that. You know, so, so don't be alarmed. I am just, I am going to try and drive this. Um, from here. But it is really, really good to see you. So glad that we can be together. Thank you for joining us online as well. Um, We're excited about the watch parties that are going to be happening for carols this coming Saturday night. want to encourage you all to uh, get as many people around to your house. We said that this year's carols is going to be the biggest year ever, and that's because we can hold so many locations, carols, events right across our city if you guys all get together and do that. Now, I know even this morning, Sunday morning, there are families gathering to um, to be church online and gathering around, uh, uh, bringing people together around at homes and watching church online, doing church together online this morning. So you guys have got a head start and you're going to know how to do it better. You're going to be pros um, be, uh, rather than some of us who are a little bit still socially awkward and getting used to being in small spaces with other people. Um, it does take a little bit of time. But I'm excited to be able to open the word with you today. And the first question I want to ask you is this, what is it that you're waiting for? <clears throat> we live in a world that is waiting. What is it that you are waiting for. Now, I know that many of you, we're waiting for different things, aren't we? Because my life's going to be so much better just when I can trade in the car that I've got and I get the next car. Life's going to start at that point. It's going to begin for me. There's a job that I have. It's all right. (laughs) But there's a job. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. It's when the, uh, you know, when you're, you're, you're using those kind of um, situations that aren't, you know, it's not me, but a friend I know. My friend has a job. He thinks it's all right. But he thinks when he gets a new job, it's gonna, life's going to be even better. Yeah, you, we don't want to talk about it in terms of spouses either. I'll steer clear of that one. Um, you know, where I am right now is okay, but I'm waiting for something else. This isn't starting well. This isn't... This opening illustration, opening story is not going the way that I, that, I, that I planned it in my head, the way that I thought about it overnight. Um, it could be a spouse, it could be, it could be money, it could be when you start your new business, it could be when you get the promotion. What is it that you're waiting for? We're all waiting for something. We're in a world that's waiting for something, something to happen, waiting for something that's next. You might be waiting for 2022, and we weren't looked at how 2021 went with that, remember? We got to Christmas, uh, got to New Year's 2020, and everyone went, went, see you later, 2020, looking forward to 2021, glad to see the back of you, woo! And then we're moving into 2021 like everything was going to be perfect and better. <laughs> you know? You know what happens with that? I guarantee you there will be less people making those kinds of social media posts this year. If we've learnt anything, 
if we've learned anything at all. But we're waiting for something. Now, fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is that you're waiting for, you know, there's always that thing, that perpetual, the perpetual um, uh, grass is greener kind of moment just on the other side. You know, I used to work, um, my first job ever was as a paper boy. I used to deliver the papers around our local area. BMX bike with, the, with the, um, the milk crate on the front, stuffed with papers. And just every single day, the people would, that would come in, almost like a routine, come in to just check their lottery ticket. Every single day, because we're waiting, and I know that one day my number's going to come up, and then everything is going to change or is it or is it going to change we are in the middle of a series called go tell it on the mountain where we're looking at biblical characters and the way that they carried the message of Jesus to the world that was around them Jody spoke last week about Mary the way she carried the good news the way she embodied the good news and brought that to the world around her. Now today, we're going to look at a character that is not in the story, but a character that shares the story. So we're not going to look at somebody in the narrative, but somebody that's telling the narrative. We're looking at the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospels, there are four of them. They all show four different perspectives about who Jesus is, four different perspectives on the way that Jesus operated in the world, and, and, and four different views, four different um, looks into the room, if you like. And so you have, you have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to start at the back and go with John. John focuses on Jesus' divinity on how he was divine. John gives us this helicopter view. It's the next slide there, guys. Um, John gives us this helicopter view of what Jesus has done right across the course of his life and ministry. Luke is concerned about the other. There is a focus in the gospel of Luke on the poor, on women, on children, on people who of the day were seen to be outside of what was spiritual, what was good, what was what God was doing. Luke focuses on those people. Mark focuses on Jesus' humanity. It's a very real, short gospel uh, characterized by Mark's use of the word uh, immediately. And so it gives the gospel of Mark this really choppy, kind of fast frame, kind of born identity view of the gospel and what Jesus was doing. Now, Matthew focuses on, on Jesus as Israel's king as the king who was coming, the king who was going to bring the kingdom, and that was Matthew's focus. Today, we will be focused on the gospel of Matthew and how he tells it on the mountain and how he tells it to us. So um, here we go. We're going to do this. So Matthew's gospel, let's just dive into that a little bit. It is aimed primarily at a Jewish audience. So Jesus is focused here in this gospel of Matthew as as a Jew, as someone who comes out of the Jewish people. It is focused on Jesus' fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Israel was waiting 
Not just like you and I waiting for different things. Israel was waiting for the Messiah, the one that was to come. Israel was waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting. They were waiting. And up until this point in time, they have what they call the intertestamental period, three to four hundred years where God was said to be silent. The Old Testament had finished. The book of Malachi was closed. And then there was three to four hundred years of God's stone cold silence before the people, before Matthew comes into the scene. Now, you might just think to yourself, well, after three to four hundred years, we better be like, we better begin with a bang. There better be something that really just, that comes to us and kind of really knocks us off our feet. Something that really is striking and huge and powerful. And we're really excited about what's going to happen next after three to four hundred years. And then we get Matthew chapter one, verse one. The New Testament opens with uh, roughly 17 verses of people's names. The genealogy at the beginning of Matthew, you skip it. That's all good. It's all good. You skip it. You go, okay, cool, here we go, Matthew 1, 18. It's all right. We're in church. You can, we can confess these things, even if it's just, you know, just under your own breath. Don't worry. I know you, even on audio Bibles, you just drag that little slider and you move it along. You can't wait 30 seconds. Why is it there? It's interesting because the gospel opens with a look at family. A look at family. Christmas time's always been about family, and that hasn't always been a good thing, though, has it? Some of your families, you know, they go together like honey on ham. Some of our families go together like oil and water. And the gospel knows both knows both experiences, both expressions, and everything in between. Christmas time, the gospel's always been about family, and the, the gospel of Matthew begins with family at the center of it. Let's have a read together from Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Um, this next slide says this, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this is written to a Jewish audience, so they, they're used to this. They know this kind of stuff. If you're a Jew reading this, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. I, 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 know, I know David. I know Abraham. He's just named the two big ones, right? The two big key figures of the Old Testament, the people that we always talk about, and Matthew names them, kind of drops them in to the narrative right at the beginning of his gospel. Why is he doing that? So then side by side, I've given us a look at Genesis 12 which says this, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred, your father's house to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Those who, uh, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What is Matthew doing? He's weaving something together here for us. He's weaving something together for those who are reading this gospel and who are, he's carrying the message to these people who were waiting for something. 
waiting for someone. He begins with this genealogy, and so we have what we get is a 42 generations that he says. There's 42 generations. Um, there's a 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to, it, to the exile, and then 14 generations from the exile to Jesus. What's Matthew doing? Well, we have to continue on. And we have to talk about miracles at Christmas time. We have to talk about miracles. Is that miraculous time of the year where we love to talk about miracles? We love to talk about those moments of miraculous provision. We love to think that there's that little bit of extra sparkle in the air at Christmas time. There is just that sense what's going on, what's happening around why. Well, before there was Mary, there was Sarah. There is a time for miracles here when we read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man, willing to, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You think, okay, that's cool. I love that Matthew's telling us about where that's coming from. But then if we go back, if we follow along with what he's saying to us about, about Abraham and about David, then we can look at Genesis 17. We can look at Genesis 17. God said to Abraham, for uh, Sarah as your wife, you should not call her name Sarah, but Sarah will be her name. I'll bless her moreover. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed to himself. Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Can you, you can imagine Abraham doing that, 100 years old, falling on his face laughing. He's going to have a difficult time getting back up after that moment. He's falling. He can't even believe it. Oh, my gosh, God, you are hilarious. But again, by the, the miracles aren't foreign to this story. We think, oh, this is, an, this is miraculous. This is the immaculate conception, which is one of the tenets of our faith, something that's so important, so key to who we are and what we believe about the person of Jesus. And yet, something so miraculous, Matthew's starting to tease this out in the story, to tease this out, not just for the New Testament, but something that's happened time and time and time again, maybe with even one of the main, one of the forefathers, in fact, the forefather of the Jewish, of the Israelite faith, Abraham, Abram and his wife. It's a time for miracles. And then we, the story goes on and we think about what happens in the nations. We think about Christmas time, and I think about just how, oh how, does Saint Nick travel around the entire world, delivering presents to every single house? How? How can he do it? Earth-shattering speeds, that's, that's got to be it. It's got to be it. 
It's either that, or I reckon the kids might be onto something now, you know, with the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have the multiverse now. So lots of things can be happening at the same time in different universes. Different. Maybe that's how he does it. Maybe that's how. But the point is that when we think about what God is doing, we think not just about ourselves, but about what is happening globally, what is happening in the nations, what is happening right around us, what is happening not just here, not just on my street, not just in my area, but right around the world. Christmas is about the world. It's always been about others, people not like me, not like you finding their place in a bigger story. Well, let's have a look at what, uh, what Matthew says in chapter 2. He says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Next slide, guys. Um, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east... Came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Wise men from the east, they're saying this is about a three to four month journey of potentially not just three kings, but potentially hundreds of wise people in caravans coming from the east. This is a scene. This is something that makes an entire town stand up and stand back. And look, this is a caravan, a procession of foreigners, of people from other nations with different customs, eating different foods, looking different ways, smelling different ways, or coming in from probably somewhere as far away as Pakistan. That's where they're saying that these people would travel from months and months and months of journey to make it all the way to Jerusalem to worship the king of kings, the king of the Jews. Now, that's why the way that Matthew puts it. And yet when we read Genesis 25, we find out that Abraham, of course, he had his line, the Israelite line that came through Isaac because he gave all of his gifts, everything he had to Isaac. But you know, Abraham had other children as well. Others who were not part of the Israelite tradition. Others who were not part of the stories of the promises. Who weren't having, didn't have access to temple worship. And guess where they lived? In Abraham's story. They all dwelled in the east. Because he gave, uh, he gave all, his, all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his con- concubines, Abraham gave gifts. While he was still living, he sent them away. Where? Eastward, to the east country. What is Matthew doing? He's saying that even the people scattered far and wide... Even the people that were outside of Abraham's line. Even those who weren't able to inherit the promises that the Israelites were able to inherit. Even the ones who were far away from temple worship and separate from all that God was doing at the time. Now God is starting to bring them back. Matthew says a wise people came from the east, i.e. people who were not like them, people who were separate to them, people who were other than them were now coming and having access to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. What is Matthew doing? He's saying that Jesus is the one to come. 
He's the one you've been waiting for. Hey, Israel, look up because the time of silence is over and Jesus is here. He's the one you've been waiting for. Now, if we didn't get it yet, if we didn't quite land and pick up what what Matthew's putting down, he gives us the biggest hint of all in Matthew chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Because, of course, Herod the king is there, and he's very insecure about the king being born in their town, and so he goes to put an end to it. Matthew 2, verse 14 and 15. This is talking about Joseph. He rose, took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, if we needed another hint, if you were a Jewish person reading this text and you, could, and you still didn't get it yet, at the first mention of the word Egypt, you know where this is going. What's the big moment in Israel's history? What's the big moment? What's the thing that they always talk about? What's the, what's the, the one crowning time where they know this is why God loves us? When God delivered them out of Egypt. And so Matthew takes great pains and beautifully and artistically places this here to show us Jesus is the, he is the answer. He is the fulfillment of all Old Testament prophecy. He is the one who is to come. He is faithful Israel. He is the one who is coming out of Egypt. In him is all of the sea crossings that you and I will ever need to do. He's the one we've been waiting for. And then Jesus, of course, grows, and what are the first things that comes out of his mouth? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's here. I'm here. No more waiting. No more waiting. The time is now. So Christmas time, we celebrate that the time is now. We celebrate that Jesus is here. We celebrate that there is no more waiting. We're not waiting for something else to happen before life starts to get good. Life happens now. It begins in this moment. It begins right now because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's bringing families back together. He's making miracles happen. The nations are gathering together under the name of Jesus, finding themselves inside of one big story. He's the one we've been waiting for. The kingdom starts now. It doesn't start when you find that new job. It doesn't start when you make a certain amount of money. I mean, so many people I've met, and I even said this myself so many times, or I'm going to do this once I do this. I've hit a trigger point here before then I'll step into this. Some of you are saying, I'm going to really serve God once I get to this point in my life. No, you start right now. You begin in this moment because the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus is here. We're not waiting anymore. 
The Jews were waiting and waiting and waiting, just waiting for something else to happen, waiting for something to trigger this moment. And Matthew is saying to them, guys, I'm showing you all the way through from Old Testament to now, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those promises. They are yes and amen in Christ. So with that, I think it'd be great to celebrate with, some, with the bread and the cup. So those joining us at home today, I'd encourage you to uh, avail yourselves of some bread and the cup. I do have a moment for us all to tear at once if we want to do that as well. Oftentimes I feel like we're waiting for an event. You know, you're waiting for an event, something to happen. Whereas the Bible doesn't think about things in terms of consequential events so much, whereas the Bible thinks about things in terms of people. Jesus came to the Jewish people, to us by extension, in the fullness of time. And so we're not waiting on an event, but we're waiting on a person. And guess what? That person's here. You know, we sometimes think to ourselves, oh, you know, at Christmas, you, we do the present opening things, if that's part of your tradition. And of course, kids want to just dive straight in first thing. And oftentimes, no, 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 no. We can't open the presents yet. Why not? Because Uncle Josh isn't here. We'll wait for Uncle Josh. Okay, okay, okay. Once Uncle Josh arrives, then we can open the presents. And guess what? Jesus is here. So we can open our presents now. The present that he gives us is himself. You know, he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's giving them himself. We don't wait anymore because we're holding what it is that we've been waiting for in our hands, a symbol of what it is that we've been waiting for. We hold it in our hands. It can't get any more real than that. And so as we eat and drink today, know that this is happening now, not sometime off in the future. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, we thank you that he is the one that was to come. Thank you that you've been speaking to us loud and clear. Thank you, Jesus, for giving yourself. You are the gift. We thank you for this bread. We thank you for the cup both symbols in their own right and in their own way. And Jesus, so beautifully you becoming, showing us who you are in a way that we would understand. Knowing that we too are part of those nations from the East who would come. 
as we eat and drink, may we look generously on others, particularly those not like us, particularly those other than us, that they would have the same opportunity to believe on you as we have, that they would have the same access, the same ability to have faith in you, Jesus, who bring us yourself today. So as we eat and drink today, Jesus, we thank you again. Give us the courage to begin now, not to wait any longer. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we pray. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Church, <clears throat> gathered all over Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, right around the world. Let's eat and drink together. Special shout out to those joining us today from the nations, other than Australia, that is. Thank you for joining us today. Might still be Saturday night where you are. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. So I wonder who we could tell this week. wonder who you could speak to. If we were going to not put it off anymore, who do we speak to and what would we say? Father, thank you for this time. In fact, why don't we all stand, those joining us online. If you'd like to stand too, that would be unreal. Why don't we stand together? pray for us and the team will lead us. Father, thank you that we can be together, gathered in so many different ways today. May the truth of your word impact our hearts in a way that we, it would change the way that we live. Continue to shape us to become more like your son, whom you've given to us, who is here today in this moment transforming us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the bigger story.